Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Mandy. And we're Drama Bonded. And today we are talking about Dessert Week and Party Week. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> yeah. Double trouble. Yes. So starting with Dessert Week, what did you think? I mean, Dessert Week is always visually... The most impressive, I would say, outside of the technical challenge, obviously. But I don't really want to eat most of the things they're making on dessert week. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I was really bummed out by the signature challenge. I I don't know. Texturally, that's just not my jam. Cream caramels. Yeah. They just look... Yeah, my brother growing up, he loved uh, custard and my grandma would always make it for him. And texture um texture wise it always grossed me out um it's kind of like flan right yep it is and it doesn't have like a a crust or anything so it's just a shaped custard and i feel like because you have to put so much gelatin in it to get it to hold the shape it ugh i don't know not my thing it's just like little wiggly like caramel blobs <laughs> yeah i'd rather just eat caramel thanks yeah. <laughs> um, were there any that impressed you? Um, I mean, the one thing that made me laugh that stuck out to me is kind of everybody collectively talking about the egg use and making sure that they weren't using too many eggs. And then Saku's like, eight eggs. I was like, <laughs> did she say eight? And everybody else is like, three eggs and like one yolk. And that's, you know, right on the edge. And then, you know, the thing that's always... I'm conflicted on this because part of me feels like some of these challenges, especially like we'll get into this on the next, the the technical, they just feel really, I don't know, dated. And like, I understand Saku making something with more egg to have like a texture that she can appreciate more. Like I don't, even if it's not technically right, I think it just like, I don't know. I thought it was cool that she used something different other than caramel and was successful with it. But the judges didn't think the texture was right, but I get that. So I don't know. Hers stood out to me just because I feel like she did what spoke to her. Well, that's a good point. And maybe there should be room to interpret these things, right? Like, because she was making a recipe that her mom used to make. So she probably made it correctly in the way that her mom would make it. But because it's not exactly like the other cream caramels with the exact same texture, Paul's like knocking it. Honestly, I mean, granted, I couldn't taste Saku's, but I thought the texture on hers looked more appealing to me than the, That's <laughs> the how others I feel. because it was yes. more solid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like th there's more to it than that. So I don't know. I'm almost like suspect when they're like, it's inedible. It's like, well, is it though? I don't know. I just... I feel for Saku because she's clearly talented and I feel like they're not giving her any room to express herself through her baking. Like it has to be the traditional British way or the highway. And that's boring. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you have Dan making Thai green curry cream caramels, 
um, which don't even have curry in them. <laughs> yeah, that was but they so love weird. The flavor. Yeah, it's weird to me though that like his also were like splodgy. They like didn't hold their shape. How is Dan still here? I don't know. I will, okay. I just had a realization watching this last episode that Dan to me is Bowie Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Big brother reference right there. But it's mostly just like I don't know why I'm so annoyed by him. I know that he is talented. I know that he does interesting flavor um, combinations. Um, I he is very creative, but there is something about him that is just so. He just really annoys me for some reason. Well, he annoys you because Abby got sent home instead of him on Bread Week. Okay, I've, that's that's fine. That stupid, stupid bread thing that he made. Ah, it's just like it's hard to take it seriously when somebody is here. When just like I don't know, he shouldn't be. Well, and we'll get into this on party week, but the um, I just feel, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but he's just always doing too much with like too weird of ideas. And yeah. sometimes he does pull it off, right? Like sometimes he does impress them and surprise them, but it's just like, my dude, does it always have to be like Eastern inspired or like, does it have to have six components? Does it have to be? this weird thing. Like, I think there's been multiple times where Prue and Paul have been like, just do something like more simple and knock it out of the park. Yeah. Stick to the brief and be successful. <laughs> there's like one rule on this So I guess show. in that way, he's almost the opposite where it's like, we want it to be less traditional and he's doing that. But I feel like he's, he's doing it in such a, like he's gambling so much that it's kind of like stressing me out and it's not consistent on whether he's doing it well or not. Does that I, make sense? It does. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, and I feel like other bakers have been a lot more consistent and across the board that deserve more praise than somehow Dan's getting. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought, um, I thought Tasha's with the rosemary sounded good. Um, I, I don't know if the rosemary flavor came through very well, but I thought it was also really risky of her to make her caramel out of honey, which I think caused, unfortunately, the whole dessert to be too sweet. But I liked the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think hers hers was very interesting. Um, yeah. And then Saku's really stuck out to me. Everybody else's were like, fine. Oh, Maddie's looked good. The chai ones with the coconut. Yeah. That, and I like chai and coconut, actually. That's a really, that's a, that is a good flavor combination. So props to Maddie. Yeah. He's like, I feel like he's stepping it up with his flavor combos. So he's, he's getting he it. He is. Yeah. Yes. Go. Yeah. He's, he's growing. He's, he's going to leave this show. I don't know if he's going to win it, but uh, I think he's going to leave with a lot more skills in his pocket than he came in. And that's pretty cool. Um, should we move on to the technical challenge? Yeah, man, I have thoughts. <laughs> okay, what a disaster. Yeah, and again, we've touched on this before. This was a bad challenge. If every it was baker poorly designed. <laughs> fails, like you can't have a technical challenge where there is literally zero room for failure. Zero. Yeah. 
and then be mad that it didn't work out. Like, what the fuck, Paul? Get out of here. I I don't know. Yeah. Him. Uh, well, first of all, watching them turn over their ramekins. Oh, my gosh. That Just was so stressful and so heartbreaking. Fail after fail after fail. Like, they all failed. Literally every single one of them failed. That's not hyperbole. Yeah. And then, and then Paul's, like, looking at these and he's, saying how it's inedible and he can't eat anything and everyone failed. And it's like, well, maybe this is a sign to you that this challenge was not designed properly. Yeah. Like that's, that's actually the correct take, but Paul is so full of himself. I'm like actually really irritated with Paul after this one. And then the fact that he like kept bringing it up. (sighs) Stop. (laughs) Also, what a gross dessert. I'm sorry. Like that also does not call to me. What do you think on that esteemed sponge? Um, this sounds more appealing to me than the cream caramel, just because it kind of sounds like a moist um cake. But I don't know. It's still like wah wah. Yeah. Um <laughs> poor Maddie. That was that was intense to just lift it off <laughs> and like there was zero structure none <laughs> oh so bad <laughs> it was really like so much cringe in body even just like reliving that moment for them i know i did love him showing them to tasha and like she nearly passed out from laughing like it was bad <laughs> well and then tasha plates hers in a very phallic way <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, god how, how did- Colin Prue not say something about the presentation. <laughs> I know. Uh, and even her, she got four on there, but like barely. So yeah, she's first. Wild. Anything else about that technical? No, I'm just bummed for the bakers. I'm like that. They like maybe Paul like tries this and gives like a time estimate, but they should have. I would hope that they have like an amateur baker then test it after Paul's done it to see, do you know what I mean? Like this, these technical challenges should be tested on multiple levels. Yeah. Not just Paul who like sets the challenge and knows exactly how to do it because anything that you're familiar with, man, it can come together so fast. I am familiar enough with chocolate chip cookies. 20 minutes is literally all I need to get cookies like put together made in the oven and scorching hot into my mouth. 20 minutes. But that's because I've been doing that for like 13 years repeatedly. So it's not even something I have to think about. But like, that's not a fair time frame for other people to do cookies if that's not something you do. And I feel like, yeah, 90 minutes for something that required the technical part of making the, the not caramel, but that sauce. Was it caramel? I don't know. But like, I just- I think it was like a custard- I think it was a custard sauce. Yeah, like, I don't know. The fact that Maddie, there were multiple people. Everybody, everybody struggled. That You're right, just bad challenge. The time frame was not right. Or just do something else. I don't know. <sighs> Poor bakers. Well, should we move on to the showstopper? Yes. Showstopper. Meringue bombs. Well, this... This to me is just like a bomb all around just because I don't really want to eat these. 
at all. Yeah, I don't either. This is another one of those where it's, what is it, form over function or, I don't know. Yeah, it's not. I guess, I, I guess like the sculptural aspect of the challenge is impressive, but is it just like a meringue sphere with a dessert inside of it? Yes. That is what it is. That sounds gross to me. Yeah, especially, again, when you do start doing structural things outside of, like, gingerbread houses, I kind of feel like, what's the point? Um, and, again, everybody really struggled with the meringue bombs, too. You know, very few of them turned out perfectly. Um, and then the inside desserts were, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of this. Uh, did anybody stand out to you? For good or bad reasons? <laughs> um, I thought Dan's was cool looking, the blue dot. Um, I don't know about the flavor profile, though. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I loved the idea of Christie's. I thought hers was very fun. Um, unfortunately, the inside with the, the croquembouche that oh, did not turn out. At all. I just, ugh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, like just don't open it. Yeah, just look at that bright, colorful meringue bomb. But I liked hers because I feel like you could pick those uh, like meringue kisses off and eat those in a way that made sense to me. Like hers felt like it was not only beautiful, but edible. Yeah, that's true. Um, I thought Josh did a really good job with um, decorating his, which I know we've really critiqued him in the past for being a little bit messier when it comes to presentation. So I do think his um, tennis one was pretty cute. I agree. His his came together pretty well. Um, I'm trying to think. And I think his just having the one cheesecake inside was actually really smart. So smart. Again, keep it simple so that you can execute it perfectly. Uh, which is something yeah. that people, I understand there's like the desire, especially to impress Paul, but don't <laughs> stick to the I basics. think Josh is getting more and more focused in that way. Like, I feel like he's taking a little bit less risky moves and he's like tightening up his game quite a bit. Yeah, he is. He's somebody unless, I mean, everybody that's left seems to be doing really well, but I suspect Josh if he sticks with this, is going to make it pretty far. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's cooking with steam now, so. um, Anybody else's that you wanted to touch on? Um, I don't think so. I'm not a dessert bomb lover. Yeah, same. I was really sad that we lost Saku this week. I know. Obviously, we've <laughs> we've been speculating how she's even stuck around this long, but I am sad to see her go just because she's such a joy to watch. <laughs> I know. You sent me that meme of all of her different faces. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to miss that because everybody else now is just mm, dull. Yeah. I mean, I love Tasha and Maddie, but I think we've really lost some of the funnest people to watch in the tent, unfortunately. Yeah, we have. Um, so that's a bummer. And then who was it? Did Dan get Star Baker this week? 
Yes. <sighs> okay. Yes, he did. Well, I guess that. Bowie Jane. <laughs> yeah, no, for real though. It's hard to root for him. It just doesn't feel like, yeah, not great casting. And Paul just has a hard on for the guys. <laughs> and Tasha. And Tasha. Yeah. Like, for example, um, this is a good segue into Party Week signature challenge. But when she was describing her sausage rolls, um, Paul was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to try these. These sound so delicious. And I feel like at other tables, Paul is like, hmm, have you thought about this? Are you sure that's going to go well together? Are you going to get this flavor to come through? But with Tasha, he's like, ooh, I'm so excited. I know. I know. And it's. You know, it's also in a little way doing some disservice to her because it's like, Paul, you have a bunch of knowledge. Share it. You know, even if you have to do it in sort of a meandering way by asking questions and getting people to arrive at the answer, that's still helpful for them because skill building is part of this show. Like only one person can win it. So it would be ideal if others could leave with new understandings of how to bake. Like blowing smoke up someone's ass isn't useful. You're not helping Tasha. I also think it just adds extra pressure, right? Like, oh, God, he expects it to be amazing. Yes. And, yeah. Hmm. Which maybe he's doing that intentionally, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand Paul or his motivations for the most part, other than he just thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, it seems. What was your overall impression on Party Week? I actually liked Party Week. Um, Me too. I think the signature challenge was so fun. Those sausage rolls sound amazing. I know. I, wanna, I think we should try making Yes. Yeah, so I was just going to say, we need to add it to our list of things to try because all of these looked amazing. Didn't I think, I don't know, they all kind of looked good except for maybe Dan's weird dumplings in disguise. Well. I'm not going to eat a sausage roll that has prawns in it. I'm just not. Maybe some people like prawns enough, but that just sounds kind of bizarre to me. Uh-uh. No, I agree. I I like seafood, but I do not like seafood in stuff. I just want to eat it yeah. on its own, and it really grosses me out, and I have no reason why other than it just does. But yeah, ugh, no thank you. <laughs> I thought that, um, like Paul said, I thought Tasha's sounded the most delicious with the apricot. Um, But when she was making them, I kind of wanted to be like, what are you doing? Like, she was putting so much sausage in there. And if she hadn't put as much sausage, she probably would have gotten a perfect reaction, you know? Yeah. But again, that also all comes down to, like, we're just catering to Paul's... uh um palette here so i don't know i thought it was interesting and maybe not a good move on christy's part to do paul's recipe uh yeah <laughs> i thought that was really risky <laughs> yeah when she's, i would never do that i know like that's too hard do something different <laughs> that's like that's like what's the steak wrapped in um pastry dough Oh, beef Wellington. That's like putting a beef Wellington in front of what's his face? Um, the guy on MasterChef. Oh, I don't know. Uh, G- Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay is like n- notable. For oh, his beef okay. Wellington. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, 
unless it's like a challenge where it's like, this is what you're doing. Why would you ever be confident enough to like place someone's recipe in front of them and think that like, I could at least as good as you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was just, and it didn't work out either. Like uh, you have to be so, yeah, you're just making stakes way higher for yourself unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the cranberry and sage sounds amazing. It's, you know, very Christmas, Thanksgiving-y. Oh, sage. Um, yeah. Like, I, I that in a second. Yep. It sounds amazing. I want to make that one. I love sage and things. Like, it is good, but just not the right time or place for that, Christy. Um, I loved that Maddie got a handshake. <laughs> good yes! for our guy. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. Also, maybe everybody else missed this. I just realized that he is a gym teacher, which makes me laugh. I love that. Like, I'm sure he is a – he just seems like he would be a very fun person to take PE or gym from. I didn't know he was a gym teacher. I thought that he was, like, just into lifting weights and stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, because Allison asked him if this is the kind of spread he would make for his class, and he was like – Oh, no. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I I think he would be the best gym teacher. Yeah, he seems very fun. Um I I like that. Should we move on to the technical? I mean, oh, sorry. Not to Just because he Oh, you're fine. I was going to say just because he's a gym teacher doesn't mean he can't make cookies for his class every once in a while. Yeah. He probably does, but you know. Well, maybe I don't know. There are probably rules against that. They don't like you bringing home-baked home home things to work. Oh, yeah. Things have changed since we were in elementary school. It's true. But. Okay. The technical challenge is probably one of my most favorite technical challenges. Yeah. What a weird little cake. I have never seen this before in my life. Have you? Okay. No. But. Funny thing, I think in the UK, it must be like a very basic cake that you see all over because I was listening to an audiobook that um, took place in England and the girl references in the book like a caterpillar cake. And so I Googled it because I was like, why? Like, what? And these little chocolate caterpillar cakes are just really popular over there. Yeah. And kind of from my understanding of just like, yeah, a similar cursory search, like, you don't need to make one yourself. No, I think it's something that you would probably get at like a supermarket. Yeah. And it seems like that might be more worth your while than this cake was like involved. And children I are not going to appreciate to it. <laughs> I would love to eat a caterpillar cake. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I thought that the chocolate meringue buttercream filling looked so good. I I agree. I also, yeah, I love a chocolate cake with chocolate glaze like that. I think that is ideal. Um, but the execution of everybody's was pretty funny. I thought Tasha did a very um, good job with Noel. That was perfect. His sideburns were just Yeah. I mean, so good. Um, also I loved that Dan cut his wrong (laughs) yeah I don't know how he managed to do that um I also loved Maddie's scary face 
that was like slightly terrifying. Right. What was he, was he trying to do that or was it more a matter of um, just that's how it turned out? Because I understand how that just accidentally can happen. I think it's the latter. I think it's just how it turned out because as he was doing it, he was saying like, oh, it's kind of scary looking. <laughs> I think he was trying to just make a smile. <laughs> yeah. That I it was a it this was actually a fun technical challenge. Like I don't think that anybody needs to recreate this cake exactly, but I do think that this actually was really fun to watch everybody execute. I I enjoyed this thoroughly. Um Dan took last place. I know. I was actually wondering if Dan was gonna go home this week. Dan should have Obviously. gone home this As week. In, Ugh, yeah. Why does he keep getting saved? I don't know because his dumplings failed and he came in last in the technical. Like, I don't understand. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like, how is it Christy that's leaving? (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Well, I don't know. Maybe it's hard not to wonder if he's just getting saved because Paul likes him more than Christy. But, um, so Tasha takes it. Christy's second. Um, yeah. How does Christy end up going home? I don't know. Especially when both Dan and Christy failed their sausage rolls. Sausage rolls. Yeah. What the actual fuck? Um, Hmm. okay. Showstopper. Not. This was a weird showstopper for me. I didn't quite understand. So it was basically just a buffet of things that aren't beige. Yeah. And what did Dan have? Beige cookies. Yeah. Almost like half the stuff on his platter was beige. I know. And I get that he had like this little theme, but it almost felt like he did that theme to work around the no beige rule. Which. Yeah. Doesn't meet the brief. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm increasingly, I really, I don't mean to be so down on the Great British Bake Off because I love it. But like, respectfully, what the fuck? <laughs> I just feel like Christie's had way more color and that should have counted for more than it did. Yeah, I I agree completely. And again, because we see Dan, one of the the sort of themes of the show is like if you don't take the feedback from the judges um you you like you shouldn't be moving on. And Dan continues to do the same thing over and over. You know, like, he does yeah. too much. Yeah, he's not learning from his mistakes at all. Not at all. And so it, like, really shocks me that even though, like, maybe his edge Christie's out, Christy went in with the advantage of coming in second, and I feel like Dan just is still perpetually doing the same thing and should have gone home. But that is my two cents. I agree. I agree. Justice for Christy. Justice for Christy. Um, did anybody's stand out to you as being like particularly exciting? Good, bad? Um, I think Josh is like very, he's a very boring person. But I will say his Christmas spread. <gasps> Yeah, I mean, I know he, he got basically perfect reviews, but it was it was flawless. Like they were beautiful. 
I thought I was so impressed with his Christmas buffet. I was too. I thought that was just absolutely stunning that he did. The timing of that inspired me for like all of my Christmas baking. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. And you've been working on macaroons. So, I mean, those little snowmen were so cute. And we're they looked so if, like if you could a decent macaroon, those looked like that'd be a, I don't want to say easy, but the piping looked approachable. You know what I mean? Just like the little buttons and the scarf. Yes. And like, again, so smart. What perfect shape for a holiday macaron, like a snowman. Simple. And then. And I know what, like earlier we've talked about how Josh has not been the most visually impressive baker, but I really thought everything was just really uniform and beautiful. Yeah. And that's, again, just pointing out like he's taking cues. He's understanding what needs to like happen for him to progress, which is why it's so kind of hard to watch Dan not take in new information and change what he's doing. He's just still doing mediocre white guy shit. Like, come on. <laughs> Step it up. Come on. Um, I, I, in a way, I loved Maddie's because again, simple done well works really well. And I loved that he used the natural shape of all the pastries to make that happen. Um, yeah, so that I, was very smart. Very clever. Maddie with his shapes. <sighs> Love it. Oh, I thought that I thought that Tasha's farm animals were really cute. I know. Even though she didn't execute everything perfectly, I thought that was a really fun idea. Like, yeah. And to be fair to Dan, too, on that, I think Tasha, Tasha and Dan both had really fun ideas that could have worked really well had they had better execution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the two of them probably had the most creative ideas. Um, I think that they just needed to simplify. Yeah, because, like, also, Dan, why didn't you dip those cookies in chocolate or, like, paint some kind of, like, tempered chocolate in the inlay of the uh, the fossil so that it wasn't beige? You know, there were ways yeah. there were ways around that, and I don't know, just ugh. um. Anybody else's that you want to talk about? No, but I am sad. I mean, I'm heartbroken for Christy just because I know how much she cares. Even Prue is like she cares the most, and she does. I, I'm sad for her. <laughs> yeah, me too. I that was really heartbreaking. And I feel like we finally got little insights into who Christy is having to stay up late because of kids and just so then to turn around and lose her to this feels unfair. I think it should have been Dan. It like, should have been Dan. Um, but we do have Maddie winning Star Baker. So. I love that for Maddie. That's number two. Yay. Yeah, go Maddie. I I want him to do well. I I hope he and Tasha end up in the the final. Yes, out of who's left, that's that is what I would prefer. I guess we'll just see what happens. I know. I'm a little worried that I don't want a finale with Josh and Dan. I have a feeling one of them might be in it, but I really don't want a finale with Josh and Dan. I don't either. Oh. <laughs> It is what oh. it is. And out of the two of them, I hope out of the two of them, I think Josh deserves it more than Dan does. I think so too. Again, because Josh has been changing. He is like 
really stepping up and week after week is getting better and better. And Dan is just doing Dan. Yeah. He's, he's not taking any feedback. He is just plowing forward. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how it all pans out. So we've got the semifinal this week. And then the following week is the finale. So we won't have to wait long. One week. We're going to have to start figuring out what we want to cover next. Um, I know we've had, Jess and I actually haven't talked about this, so we're going to talk about it live. <laughs> but we've had um, someone recommend F-Boy Island. Yes. And we've had someone recommend um, Selling, Selling Sunset. Sunset. Yep. I. Do you have any other I ideas? I mean, somebody said that we should, this was actually, uh, just sort of in passing to me, not anywhere on our Instagram, but uh, asking if we had covered The Real Wives of Salt Lake City. And I don't know if that's still going, if that was one season, but like that's also on the table because- Oh, it's it's still going. <laughs> represent Salt Lake City. Um, okay, I'll be real. I I like Real Housewives. I- um, I would say the only one that I keep up with at this point is Beverly Hills. Um, but I've watched a fair amount of Orange County. I've watched a fair amount of New York. Um, I did try to watch the first season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Um, I've tried actually watching it two or three times. And uh-huh. I'm just really struggling to get through it, guys. But you know what's funny is that um, on other podcasts, they love Salt Lake. So, so I'm wondering if it's just because it's like local and it's not as like entertaining to me or if I need to like push through it and just try harder. <laughs> no, you don't need to try harder. We're trying as hard <laughs> as we can. But that's interesting. I'll give it a watch because I haven't watched – I have not watched any Real Housewives. So I'll maybe start with that one and just see off the cuff like what oh, I think. Oh, that'd be interesting. Um, yeah. I'm because also- Salt Lake – Salt Lake just started, what, like three years ago? Yeah. I don't know. It's like recent. fairly recent. And I think um, I think that it's great to have that to start with because if you choose some of the older housewives, you're getting back into like the earlier 2000s where I think the show just feels kind of dated and production and editing has improved Real Housewives so much. That makes a lot <laughs> so of sense. So at least you're starting with them. At least you're starting with the more, like, current housewives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I am also not opposed to F-Boy Island or Selling Sunset, so we should we should sit down and figure out – we'll give the people what they want. We'll just – Yeah, maybe we can put a little um, – and not saying this will decide, but maybe we should put a little uh, thing on Instagram to see – what people would want to listen to the most and take that into consideration. Um, Hell yeah. I watched the first season of Best Boy Island. I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining. I would watch it again. Um, I've seen most of Selling Sunset after Christine left the show. I stopped watching, but I'm, I'm game for any of these ideas. Truly. Okay, cool. Same. I'm, I've not watched any of it, so I'm excited. I need content. I don't. I'm actually busy, but I am excited to take on something new. So, (laughs) 
And I guess that's why I have to have a confessional if like I still am behind on the Golden Bachelor. So I wanted to say if you have updates, I would love to hear them. You're not going to spoil anything for me. Um, actually, this week has been so crazy with travel that I am I haven't made any more progress. So I'm wondering if we both get caught up once I get back, maybe we could do an episode. Um, just on the Golden just Bachelor. Just on Golden Bachelor. Yeah. <gasps> Let's do it. Because, like, it's not for lack of interest or, you know, because honestly, from what I've seen, it's what The Bachelor has needed to do. I think that this is a really good yeah. look for The Bachelor. And everybody is excited about it. I've loved what I've seen more or less. So, like, it's not that I don't think that I, like, that it's not good or that I don't want to talk about it. I do. It's just holiday season is a lot. <laughs> and you know what I would love to do in that episode is I would love to t- also contrast um, the normal Bachelor and Bachelorette versus what people are loving about the Golden Bachelor and talk about, you know, what else Bachelor Nation can be, well, not Bachelor Nation, but like what else the franchise can be doing to kind of bring that same attention that Golden Bachelor is doing into other aspects of the Bachelor. Yes. Agreed. Because I think that I think everything's just getting a little bit stale. And um, you know, I think Golden Bachelor is really popular just because of how authentic and lovely the people are. But I also think that there's a piece of it that is just that it is fresh and it is new and people are tired of the same recipe over and over and over again. Right. Like a bunch of 20-something beautiful white people looking for a very like basic heteronormative relationship without any of the difficulty of like harder conversations, getting to know who these people are, like really seeing their true motivations. And like truly at such young ages, you also haven't lived a lot of life. So it's not necessarily like, I don't want to say these people are boring, but they just, they don't have a lot of life experience. And it's neat to see people with a lot of life experience doing this. This is more interesting because I feel like they've got a much better handle on who they are as people and what they want for in a partner or what they want in a partner. So Yeah, and even though we've talked about it being higher stakes, I think it is only higher stakes because it is like – it is more authentic. It is more real. Like these people are actually investing in these relationships. Because of, you know, where they're at in their life. And I think that that makes for much more interesting television. Agreed. Um, On that note, though, really quick interjection as a follow-up to Love is Blind. uh, Zach and Bliss are going to have a baby. (gasps) Oh, wow. Yeah. Like. I feel like for somebody. Yes, I feel like that was really cool. Um, Still hopeful for Brett and Tiffany, but it was really neat to see that little update and like them getting going on life for you know together. That was that was cool. Yeah, I love them. Same. That worked out. Uh, Should we? Well, should we pivot to paradise? Oh my god, yes. What a (laughs) mess. And I'm blown away that we didn't get an episode week of Thanksgiving, so this week, uh, but we are, the finale is next week. It feels like- Are you serious? How are they doing that? There's there's too much to wrap up. I know. There's like no couples either. So what are we even doing? no couples. (laughs) 
Well, I guess the only, I guess the two couples in my head are Avon and Kylie, and then Aaron and Eliza, I feel like, kind of sealed things up. Weirdly, yes. Aaron, okay. Is, am I forgetting anyone? Is there any other serious couples outside of those two? Well, it kind of seemed like um, uh, Mercedes and um, Tyler. Tyler. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I because think that seems to be, that's wild to me. I read some stuff too, so t- tell me what you got. Well, so the thing that is the most problematic, in my opinion, is that all of America, and when I say all of America, Bachelor Nation, has seen that Tyler was like making out with Jess, and it has not been discussed on the show at all. So did no one else see it happen? So we have that piece of information just like floating around in our brains. And then obviously Mercedes is feeling like he's just kind of stringing her along. He's not really pursuing her. He's not really making her feel chosen. And and then you have the truth box thing that came out this week where it basically said that Tyler wasn't that into her. And I don't know who put that in there, but like you're really, she's already feeling insecure. And then after the truth box, like what the fuck is she supposed to do with that? Yeah, I feel like that is so shitty for Mercedes. Um, yeah, I hate Wait, that. Quick question. Okay. Yeah. Do you think, do you think production puts papers in the truth box? I hadn't thought of that, but I would not be surprised if they are just like, we've got some tea, so let's spill it. Well, you know, if like Mercedes ITMs are about her, like starting to be unsure, like not knowing where Tyler's at. Like, wouldn't that be the perfect thing to, like, cause more drama? <laughs> Absolutely, it would. And, like, who is – the thing that – yeah, and that's a good point because I feel like Mercedes is, like, genuinely liked on the beach by everybody. So I also yeah. don't know why yeah. nobody would say that to her face. Yeah, and that's why I'm wondering. Like, I can't really see anyone putting that in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was – Weird. Although, um, I did read that people know about Jess and Tyler making out, and that why are we not getting any of that? Then I don't know. And it's weird to me that production cut that. So I also wouldn't be surprised. Like it's kind of funny because if everybody's being that agreeable, maybe they are just really trying to stir the pot because Rachel also encouraged Sean to go shoot a shot with Jess. She's like, that was fine. She's like, what I had issue with, and this was in an interview that she did, she said that what she had issue with was then Sean misrepresenting and saying that she's really into him and he's not that into her when the reality of it is, is they both recognize that they weren't like, they weren't each other's people on the beach. That into each other. And it's so funny because it's like, oh, so we've weirdly got a group of like more mature people, which is leading to more dating around and like some perceived messiness, but like the reality of it is they're all just being like really mature adults and letting each other go explore options. And so production is just like scrambling to make things messier, perhaps. Well, maybe they are putting stuff in the truth box then. Yeah, because it all seems reading through interviews with people, it does feel like we're not getting the best representation of what was going on on the beach, which is weird. Yeah. So, however, it has been fun. 
<laughs> I am enjoying it. Okay. We, we have to talk about the cat, Olivia, John Henry of it all. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, so I think episode seven starts out with the triangle of like Olivia and John Henry are still pretty solid and Kat is definitely, um, I would say, initiating more conversations with John Henry, flirting more with John Henry. And we also get a lot of ITM from Olivia who is perceiving all of this and being super irritated and frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have Kat being like, Olivia's so territorial, which is like, duh. Yeah, duh. <laughs> and like, uh, I get it. Then, and I don't like, I want to say that Olivia meet, like, I, I respect John Henry wanting to explore his options and Olivia might be a little bit much, but I think it's exacerbated by the fact that Kat is just not handling this well. And I think we have a couple moments where we see insight into what Kat's thinking. And it's just like, girl, this is not the move. This is not how you do this. Well, like all things aside, we have multiple conversation examples between Kat and John Henry where like they are not going to be compatible outside of paradise. Like, John Henry is, like, super outdoorsy. He wants his kids to ride dirt bi- dirt bikes. He's, you know, his job is at the bottom of the ocean. Like, and Kat, like, struggles just existing in the sand in Mexico. <laughs> right, being sweaty is hard. I just, <laughs> I'm not saying that different people can't make a successful relationship, but I feel like they are two, like, polar opposite extremes, and I don't know where the, like, common ground for them to enjoy each other's company is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is this the episode? I, I'll i be honest. Paradise is kind of all blurring together, even though they've done a better job this season with, like, consistent trading off of rose ceremonies and, like, actually having rose ceremonies. But is it episode seven or the more recent one where Kat invites him to Hot Tub? Um. I guess, I'm pretty sure it is episode seven. It, well, regardless, we there we can talk kind of, I guess, about their train, but continuity, trying to be on it. Um, I thought it, like, they seem to me like they have sort of a magnetic pull toward each other, which just really reads to me as, like, they've probably got really good sexual chemistry. And, like, that's fine. Oh, for sure. Be into it. But, again, that is not the thing you want to, like, have the end-all be-all of, like, a successful relationship. And you're right. I think that there are some bigger things between Kat and John Henry that at least we haven't seen discussed. Like, yeah, them as a couple is a little odd to me. I don't know. But I bet they have really good sex. They're two beautiful people. Um, Good for them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. When people say they want that spark, they want butterflies, they want – like, that is just – code language for you want to be infatuated with someone (laughs) or like you want to have that sexual chemistry which is fine but you know like that eventually goes away so there has to be more to your relationship than butterflies and spark yeah it's great if you get that at the beginning but that can't be the thing yeah exactly and it's weird because it just yeah I I found John Henry on Instagram because I was so curious he is such uh, like a left fielder to me. Like, I don't know why he's on this show, but he is. He recently made a post about fixing up this truck and then having to sell it. 
just like I'm imagining Kat with a guy whose hobby is fixing up trucks. And I don't know who I envision Kat with, but that is not it for me. <laughs> well, even when he told her that he likes heavy metal music and she was like, oh, like, do you go to the concerts? And he's like, yeah, like I go and I, I'm in the mosh pit. And she's like, oh, ew. Like, no, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> like, that is <laughs> Yeah, and I could see Olivia not having as many problems with that kind of thing. Um, I, and not that John Henry has to be interested in Olivia. I'm just saying, like, right. it's obvious to viewers that this is more of a sexual connection than a deeper connection, right? Um, but, you know, I don't think that John Henry is really, you know, ironically the deepest person on the beach. No, he doesn't seem to be at all. Like, I think, oh, right. <laughs> I've we've talked about the series. I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but the production likes to have sort of vanilla dudes because you can project a lot onto them and that women if the guys were if if all of them had more personality and were really I think a lot more sure of who they were or not even that. That's not the right way, but like I think there's a lot of room to project onto John Henry for both Kat and Olivia. Oh, for sure. And they're doing it. And, like, maybe Olivia does know something we don't know about John Henry, but the way that she's talking about how special he is and how attentive and, like, all of the stuff, I'm like, Olivia, is that John Henry? Or are you that special person? Are you that one who was, like, I don't know. It just, like, I wonder how much of that is John Henry versus how much of that is them projecting because he is a vessel for which they can do that. That's a really good point. And also, like, is he just special compared to the other guys that Olivia has tried to connect with? You know, like in the grand scheme of things, maybe. <laughs> right. Will or John Henry. Her options are, yeah, her options are pretty limited. So out of the scope of partners, he's like the most special. I don't know. I don't know either, but it is, I, I felt for Olivia, I've been trying to be team cat because I respect people wanting to date around and get to know people on the beach. Um, but when Kat and Olivia have that conversation, I just wanted to throttle Kat. That was really hard to watch. First of all, I just want to say, like, shout out to Olivia for trying to do the mature thing and just, like, have a conversation about it. Yes. I think it was on Kat to approach Olivia because Olivia and John Henry had been kind of an item since mm -hmm. um, she gave him her rose, right? Yep. And so not that there's, like, laws and paradise but it seems like there are just things that like oh once you want to date with someone or get a rose from someone that that after that if you want to pursue something else it just warrants conversations right that seems yeah. to be kind of the <laughs> social expectation on the beach mm -hmm. and so I think that if Kat was interested in John Henry it seems like any other girl would go up to the girl and be like hey I know that you have a connection with so-and-so but I just want to let you know that I'm interested in him. And so I'm going to like have some conversations with him and see if he's at all interested in me. And it's not even to say like that you need Olivia's blessing. It's more so just to be like, look, I see you. I respect you. But I'm also here to like find a connection. And so I, I at least need to shoot my shot to see if that's a possibility. Yes. And the thing that stuck out to me that was so bizarre was Kat being like, I'm closer with the other girls. So why would I come talk yeah, to you? Yeah, she said that she would. She said that she would have had this conversation if it had been someone else. And I think that's the biggest slap in the face. 
the biggest. That made me so mad. Like Olivia, ugh, I don't know. And I don't blame Olivia for throwing her hand up in Kat's face. Like I would have physically assaulted her. Like, fuck you. That was awful. So well, yeah. And then unfortunately, I think we're starting to see how clicky some of these groups are because I think we're starting to see how clicky these groups are because the women that are closer friends are the women on the show that were on the show longer, right? Mm -hmm. So they've had more time to bond. They actually have friendships outside of The Bachelor in Paradise. Like, I totally understand that. But Olivia, who went home night one, she's like on the outskirts of this. And so it's like Kylie and Jess and, you know, these other people are going to be closer with Kat because they have had more time and experiences with Kat. And I just think that, like, I think that's really unfair. I think it's really unfair of these women to, like, push Kat to, like, go have this connection with John Henry without even taking into consideration Olivia's feelings just because she's, like, outside of their friendship circle. Yeah, I would go so far as to say, like, that's not a good that's not a good friendship either. I'm like, that's not the kind of people you want in your corner encouraging you. Like you want friends that hold you to a higher standard that allow you to be a better person. And like the fact that nobody's doing that. And in fact, they're going the opposite direction and just saying, oh, well, go for it. Who cares? That's what this is for. And it's like, yes, but Olivia is a living, breathing person who absolutely deserves respect and getting an opportunity to like hear where Kat's coming from and I get why even more so Olivia's feeling like Kat is being so disingenuous and is just homie hopping and is looking for a rose and not actually into John Henry. And it's too bad because I do think Kat is into John Henry, but yeah, <laughs> she's handling it so poorly. She's not even setting up her own relationship to be successful here. I don't. Exactly. Which is a bummer. And I feel like John Henry has not handled this well either. Like, good for him, I guess, for talking to Olivia, but it's like too little, too late. And yeah. And you, he can see what Kat's doing. And it's like, okay, if you two want this to be successful, you need to collectively recognize that Olivia deserves better. And you both need to address that so that there's not an elephant in the room or something that's going to cause a fracture in your relationship and neither one of them are doing a good job of it. So it's just like, I don't know. It does feel like it's kind of all for nothing. Yeah. And then unfortunately we see John Henry give Kat his rose. Um, and surprise, surprise, Brayden's connection goes home, which that was weird. I don't know why Becca went home. I know she was so into him. And then she was just like, goodbye. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if there was more to that, but I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, all of a sudden, she's gone. <laughs> yep. Um, and so Brayden gives his rose to Olivia, which I thought was very sweet. I loved that. Yeah, that was great. Go, Brayden. Um, and then Rachel. I do think that. Oh, go for it. Sorry. I do think that Olivia tends to be friends with more of the guys than the girls. Like anytime you see her like passively hanging out, it's with she's the hanging dudes. Out with Tanner, she's hanging out with Brayden. She, yeah. Like she, I, I mean, I don't know if that's just because she doesn't feel as close with the women, but that is something that I have noted. Yeah. I always have a little bit of a, a pink flag around stuff like that. Cause it's like, what, don't be the pick me girl or the cool girl that only has more guy friends yeah. than girlfriends. But again, giving Olivia kind of the benefit of the doubt, like 
she's clearly the other girl in the girl clique. So also she just, I don't know how comfortable, yeah, she feels hanging out with the girls. So TBD on that one. Yeah. Um, Rachel getting Tanner's rose. Oh yeah. Let's, let's talk about the Rachel, Rachel and Tanner of it all. (laughs) Yeah. So that, I understand Rachel's confusion thinking that's a friendship rose because Tanner has made like so few moves and has sort of been all over the beach. So like, it doesn't surprise me that she's confused. And I do think She's not, she's definitely got her wall up, but like Tanner doesn't strike me as like the best communicator right now. Like (laughs) this isn't all on Rachel. I think that unfortunately, like neither of them are the one to like initiate things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you have two people that are, who are both pretty passive. And I, I actually thought that Tanner giving her his rose was not a friendship rose. But I, I can understand why Rachel would – I can understand why Rachel would, like, assume that after everything that's happened. Yeah. But it's just, like, why – Rachel, ask more questions. Tanner, give be more specific about, like, your intentions. Like, why does it have to be this, like, oh, like, I don't know where he's at. I don't know where she's at. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you guys have limited time. Like, just talk about it. Be adults. <laughs> I know. it. The older I get and the better my communication skills get. I have so little patience for bad communication. (laughs) Learn how to communicate. This solves so many problems. Like this would not be an issue. Yeah. If like right after the rose ceremony, go have a talk. Talk about what that meant. Just ask. (laughs) Yeah. Like what did this rose mean to you? Because there's going to be people coming onto the beach next week. And I like, I'm interested in you. Like, are you, did you give me this rose because you're interested in me? <laughs> yeah. And lo and behold, who comes down but Jordan? Oh my gosh. I loved Jordan. Me too. He had like an edgy haircut. The first bit of the season. Yes. Ah. I thought he was so cute. I was so disappointed that Rachel sent him home, but obviously Rachel gets to make the, make the calls. But I just remember thinking he was so cute. I thought it was so cool. He was a race car driver. Yeah. Um, and I he definitely a different look than the other guys. And like they do have good chemistry. The yoga on the beach. Whew, yeah, that was really cute. So cute. And like, I don't know. Yeah, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. So this is confusing to me because I'm like, oh, so she's like really into him. And then they get back from their date and Tanner's like, confused because he gave Rachel his rose and like okay again just have conversations you guys um and finally he tells her like I feel like you your walls are up and like I don't really know what you want and it was just like the most like indirect way of saying like I want to pursue things with you (laughs) yes just that is such a weird thing like you if you want somebody to go all in you do have to put yourself out there a little bit so that Like, that's just sometimes how that goes. And it feels like Tanner and Rachel aren't doing that. Yeah, I just felt like they overcomplicated it. Yeah. And I don't know if it needs to be so complicated. I agree. (laughs) Especially because, honestly, I think Tanner and Rachel would be very compatible. I I do, too. I think Tanner's great. I think she's great. I think that 
I could totally see them working outside of paradise. Well, like I think he's sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say they might, but we got to get to that roast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was weird. Um, but yeah. I guess like without the roast, I would just say that like I he seems like someone that could be in the same like phase of life as Rachel and maybe be ready for the things that Rachel's ready for. I agree. I, I think that. Um, but good point. Let's talk about Katie Thurston coming down on stirring things up on the beach. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> it was so awkward. It was. I love that. You know what, though? I I have a lot of respect for Katie trying to go the route of becoming a comedian. I'm here for it. I like when people are willing to just look dumb doing something new because that is how that goes for most things. You don't just pick something up and are naturally like the best you'll ever be at it. And so I have like, I've got a soft spot for her really just kind of putting it all out there and being so vulnerable with this because it is really awkward. Um, I really appreciated her having that talk with Blake. Uh, I I'd heard Blake saying that he didn't want that to happen on national television, which is also kind of fair, but she did say she texted him and he ignored the text. So I think it's also like the door wasn't open to have that conversation before that moment. So, yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, I think it was a really awkward situation for Blake. And I think that, you know, we don't really know how their breakup went. Like maybe there was good reason that he didn't respond to things or he wasn't ready to talk about things or he felt blindsided by things. For sure. And I Um, think it's fair. Everybody gets to take the time they need after a relationship ends to process. So like no shame on Blake for, you know, not responding to her in those. Um, But I appreciate that she came down and she's like, if I didn't say it, I'm going to say it now. I'm sorry. I was like, yes, way to go. Yeah, no, I think that that was, I think that was good. Um, Unfortunately, this co- this whole situation caused Jess to almost have like a come apart and she's feeling super insecure. Um, but I will say that I don't think that's on Katie. They've been kind of a oh, weird no, couple not. to me. Like, and I think it was good that Blake got the perspective he needed. Because. Yeah, I don't um, I don't think that's on Katie at all. That was more so talking about the. I think Jess just really struggles with some insecurities and I think she's unfortunately young and immature and it seems like anytime there's like I I just feel like she's like very easily tipped over and threatened Mm -hmm. and it's like that that's a bummer to watch right because I think Jess is lovely and I think she has a lot going for her but I think that this is just her age showing where she's like I agree completely because she shouldn't be that concerned especially when like I don't know. Like, let. <laughs> I just feel like Katie broke Blake's heart. And if, like, that girl came in and Blake is telling me, like, I wake up thinking about you, like, I don't know if I would be as threatened when in this situation, like, Blake is choosing me and it seems like we're in a good place. Yeah. And it's been two years, too. This isn't like a, a recent a recent thing. This wasn't six months ago, you know, like Blake is clearly they've both moved on. Yeah. Um, I love that Katie, though, came down for a roast. 
Oh my gosh, that roast got ugly. I know. I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think of roasts? Part of me thinks they can be really funny and well done. And this one was not that. Um, I, th- I guess it just depends on the setting and the people. And I think you have to, like, try to have people who are willing to just laugh at themselves. I think I will admit that I'm so sensitive. I I think my feelings would get hurt during the <laughs> I I think it depends. I think I can take a lot of things in stride. Like, some of the funniest things that have ever been said to me have been calling out, like, behaviors of mine that I'm sort of aware of. But you know, I appreciate somebody else seeing them for what they are, but I think that there are some lines that you can't cross. And those stupid men were like, I know, let's take all their biggest insecurities. Yeah, that was really rough. I think it also depends on who's roasting me. You know what I mean? Like if you were roasting me, I'd probably be much more willing to laugh at myself than (laughs) maybe like a professional peer or something. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly. And it just, oh man, what a, it was funny until it wasn't. And then it was really clear that yeah. like, this was not going well. Um. Yeah. The, the joke about wishing it was Gabby on the beach was really <gasps> below the belt. So much so. Cause it's like, wow, that <sighs> Tanner, come on. What are we doing? Um, yeah, that wasn't great. Uh, all the comments about Jess's age, Katie's was funny because it was more about Blake than it was about Jess. But I think that that was also just an indication of like, she's not in a position to be doing this with Blake right now. This is not good for her. Yeah, agreed. And listening to her and, you know, after the roast talk about, the reasons that she likes Blake, it's like you like the idea. This is just a low bar. You like the idea of a guy treating you well, not Blake. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, and I, I think that Blake can kind of feel that, and I think that's where his a lot of his hesitations are stemming from. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually have <laughs> a lot more I respect think- for Blake because of that. Yeah, like it's pretty obvious that she's not all in on him, so. Like, it's funny because she's insecure because she doesn't feel like he's all in on her when she's actually causing, like, her insecurities with herself and their relationship and also just, like, always wanting him to be doing something he's not is actually fueling his insecurities about their relationship. So it's just, like, a cycle that is never going to improve unless they learn how to talk better. Yes. Yes. And it just doesn't seem like she's there. There's too much going on. She's got kind of her own shit she needs to work through. So, you know, props to Blake for having this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Um, What else are we forgetting? Talked about Mercedes. Kylie and Avon seem like they're probably going to get engaged. Um, Becca leaving. What do you think of Sam? What do you think of Sam and Pilot Pete? I think they're just enjoying having a good time being on the beach and just sort of like being able to give each other a rose to make that happen. Like it's clear that I doubt I would be floored if they left engaged or even left like still in a relationship. I'm just not seeing it. Yeah. Like he see they both just seem like they're just passing time. <laughs> 
and respect. Like if that works for you guys to stay on the beach and have more of a free vacation, do it. Yeah, I think that that's a good assessment. Um, okay, so who else came down with um, Jordan? I don't know. Who even was that? Taylor. Okay. okay Taylor. Um, <laughs> who the fuck is Taylor? Why do we, again, this is another case of someone who went home night one. Um, and if you think about it, Jordan basically is like one step removed from that because he went home after being Rachel's first date. Yeah. Like why do we keep bringing back these people that like, I don't know who they are. How am I invested in them? And also now it's at the end of paradise. So we don't even have like a timeline to like build rapport with them and care about them. Like we have with like Olivia and I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, like I this, don't know why I care about these people. Yeah. This seems to always happen towards the end of paradise where they bring down people so late in the game. Like, literally, they're brought down the episode before the finale. Like, that's just to, that's just to disrupt. That's not to, that's not for anybody to make a connection. They're just seeing who they can rattle. Um, totally. So, I don't know. Yeah, didn't love that. Uh, but that is seemingly how Paradise does things. So. Well. I don't know. I just, I'm like, I don't care. I don't care about you, Taylor. And you're definitely probably not going to make a connection. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, well, I don't know. Is it the women giving out roses? It is. So, you know, yeah. he might get a pity rose. Well, but no, this is the final. It's, well, I guess we would do the rose ceremony at the beginning of next week's episode. And then some time would pass and it would then end up being another day for the finale. So... Oh my gosh, I can't believe we're at the end. I'm like, there, like you said, there's no couples. There's like two couples. Also, I, this ep- the season was so much shorter because last season, I we got it to the week of Thanksgiving, but it had started so much earlier. And like, I don't know, what were there like 13, 14 episodes? And we're going to oh, get- Oh yeah, last season was really long. And now we're going to get nine, maybe? I think this is more so a normal paradise. Yeah, like, I'm greedy. Got extended. Um, <laughs> but now that we're faced with, and you know what's funny? I think if there was, like last season, there were just couples, and it was kind of boring. Um, and so it felt really long. It did feel it was, really long. There wasn't really a lot happening. But now we have like no couples, and we're like, wait, how is this ending? We need more couples. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's been a mess. It's oh, been a mess. Um, well, I have, is there anything else paradise related you want to mention? I have a little treat for our end. I have nothing else. So what do you have? Well, um, we, uh, like we're not doing this in person this week. I guess we should have mentioned that I'm in Georgia, Jess is in Utah. So we're doing this episode over the phone. Um, but so because we can't do a candy review in person, I thought that maybe we could do a little candy review on the now and laters. <laughs> <gasps> yes. Oh, Saul's going to know my dirty secret, which was he was not here when you dropped all of that off. And I ate all that banana now and later so that I didn't have to share because he also <laughs> likes banana. Oh, he does. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I too bad. I more. 
Um, um, well, in Hawaii, I found some old school now and laters, and I don't, maybe there are places you can find them, um, stateside, but I, I don't think I've seen now and laters since like early 2000s. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't think I have either, like at the grocery store at all. And so I was really surprised that they were banana flavored because that was epic. Yeah, and I don't know if now and laters have changed their recipe, but I remember as a child it feeling like it was going to rip out my molars. Yes, and these were much kinder to my teeth. Pretty soft. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you didn't have you didn't have to suck on them. They're pretty. It's almost just like a little bit stickier than a Starburst. Um. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, like, I don't know if they changed their recipe. I don't know Sorry, either. No, no, no. I They must have because I'm with you. That's actually why I don't like – I don't eat now and laters because like, yeah, my fillings and my crown is just going to go. <laughs> so Yeah, so I don't know if they changed their recipe or if the, if the now and laters we ate growing up were just like stale as fuck. <laughs> right. Everybody's just feeding us three-year-old candy. You don't know better because you don't have your own money to figure this out. But yeah. Um, I thought those um, were so solid. That was delicious. Thank you for sharing. Oh, good. I'm glad you like the banana. I tried cherry and watermelon and I just, what a treat. I don't know if it was the nostalgic factor, but I just really enjoyed them. I did too. Um, so I'm on nowandlater.com. That is a thing. You, oh, I'm going. you can't find those locally. But you can buy them maybe from their website. I'm looking. But yeah, not something you can pick up locally. Yeah, no stores found. Weird. Also, do they have those, um, the ones with the crisp shell? I don't see them. Maybe they don't make those anymore. That's too bad because that was like seriously the best candy ever. <laughs> okay guys well if you're hardcore candy people yeah go to nowandlater.com and order yourself a nostalgic treat because <laughs> they are delicious thank you yeah so um well thanks for doing this podcast remote yeah uh, i i wish to sit there in person with you same it's not but it's not quite the same but this it. was this was fun i love yeah. doing this with you so Thanks for making the so call. Next week, next week we have semifinals for Great British Bake Off and then Paradise Finale. Yep. And um, we will figure out how to wrap up Golden Bachelor as well. We will. We it, it deserves our attention, and we will we will give it that. So, yeah. Well, cool. I hope you enjoy the rest right. of your time in Georgia, and I'll see you next week. And we'll talk to all you guys next week. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Drama Bonded is produced and hosted by Mandy Booth and Jessica Brumbaugh. Our production manager and editor is Solomon Brumbaugh. Our theme music is by Joe Waters. You can find more of his music streaming on the EP Jupiter Daywatch. Music vocals by Mandy Booth. Graphic designer is Pigeon House. Thank you.